And we are live! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Handle Whiskey, presented by the Slashing Cast Podcast Network. We are a horror podcast discussing phobias that horror films emphasize. With me tonight, as always, are my co-hosts, Holly Hooch and John. So, guys, like, here we are, start of, uh, er pretty early on in the month. Uh, and tonight we're tackling, uh, one of the more, like, hyped up, uh, I don't know if I would necessarily say found footage movies that's out there, but it's definitely one that has been getting talked about quite a bit since it came out. Uh, and I believe it was like 2014 uh, right. when tonight's selection actually hit. No, th this is uh, my pick for this month. And I was really excited to do this particular movie because I I hadn't watched it. I think I watched it when it first came out mm -hmm. and I was you know, really blown away by how much I loved it. And so I was excited to rewatch it and, and talk about it with you guys here. Uh, and so rewatched it again and um, was even more impressed. You know, you know this, this now that we're reviewing movies, I kind of watch them with a more critical eye. Mm -hmm. And I was just thinking, like, damn it, if this isn't a fucking awesome movie. It does have a couple of drawbacks, right? There's Not everything is perfect, like the final fucking scene. But uh, <laughs> aside I'm on, of that, I'm on a few others. <laughs> whatever but I, I really love this movie so i'm excited to hear you guys opinion and i'm excited to gush about it for the next fucking hour <laughs> give or take uh <laughs> but yeah so <laughs> yeah we're just we're just speed on it uh so this month we are doing the fear of age which is a uh, jeroscophobia uh, and, you know, last week was a, was a pretty interesting week, uh, kind of a departure from the norm, because we had a rock opera, so uh, we basically went from uh, this drug-addicted world with legalized murder to uh, something a bit more closer to home, even though this movie isn't quite what the, the story leads you on to believe in regards to the actual synopsis and just the way that everything is laid out. Uh, but just a couple of general podcast notes. Thursday nights on Streamlounge, we are doing a watch party starting at 9.30 p.m. Pacific time. Uh, and tomorrow, uh, we're watching The Sadness as that drops on Shudder uh, tomorrow. So nice to get like a debut feature in there right out of the gate. And I am pumped to see some ultra violence and gore uh from that one because i've heard some absolutely crazy things about it and hopefully it lives up to the expectations that uh the community has really built around it from the festival scene uh, but outside of that again if you guys are looking to directly support the show uh best thing to do is either pledge to our patreon at patreon.com slash hand or you could buy pod merch on our t public uh storefront and you can just search hand with scare there uh, but anyway, tonight we are here to talk about the taking of Deborah Logan, which, as Holly mentioned, was her pick. And, uh, John, I'm, I'm fairly certain you probably have already seen this flick, so I'm assuming it's a rewatch for you. Yeah, I did watch it a bit ago. I think it came out on Netflix or something back when it initially came out and watched it and liked it a lot. I'm a big found footage fan. You've been. Before. Now, things that I've learned about John, he's a big found footage fan. You're also a big rock opera fan. Yeah. I did not know that before. <laughs> I've known you for like, I don't know, like 10 years. <laughs> and it wasn't until last week that I found out that you love rock operas. Yep, yep. <laughs> but, uh, and I think I like found footage movies for horror because I think the, what's that word? Uh, Versimilitude, I think, is the, okay. the word I'm trying to say if I'm saying it right. Versimilitude, but that sounds like a word. It, it's like realism, like um. feeling real, is important for horror movies because yeah. you know to to be scary, you got to feel like it's like it, it could happen, like, like it could happen to you, or yeah. it could happen. Or, and so I think found footage works well for horror because it kind of gives you know Blair Witch. Say what you will, like. That was a song. It has its ups and downs, and it's a good. You're movie. right, but yeah. uh, but it benefits by feeling real. Like if that was a Hollywood movie, it would probably be pretty terrible. True, and I mean, I mean the, but I, I have. We always have to remember that with the Blair Witch Project, it was also the, the really genius marketing campaign that mm -hmm. they threw with that that made it so freaking good. Watching it now, you're like, 
whatever. Like, I, <laughs> did you get that? Have you watched it again recently? And, and they're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, Not too scary is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a great movie. For me, I think my just, I, we're doing like a side review. Side on, review. On, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll get back to But like, uh, is uh, the bickering and yelling just gets to me so much. Like, I can't handle the constant Do you know PTSD? Stop it. Stop it, mom and dad. I'm making clear which project. I gotcha. But yes, there's actually a small amount of that in this movie too, mm-hmm. but they keep it to a minimum. Uh, but um, but yeah, no. So, and, and I think it benefits this movie too mm-hmm. because the top, you know, being about uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, uh, Alzheimer's. Ironically, forgetting Alzheimer's and uh, be, being kind of a medical themed yes. uh, story kind of fits. But the documentary feel well. I liked it, uh, but I mean, uh, I was I was going over a, a couple of reviews online for it, and um, you know, it's this. Everybody had the same sort of criticism, which is to say that found footage. The the more we the more we progress in in the horror genre, then the harder it is to to create a movie that's found footage that's going to really be done well because everybody's so critical of it because it's it's such a um, it's 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 such a what do you call it um it's its own genre and mm-hmm. so people are already like kind of a little tired of it and or the people are just more critical of it because it's been done right and so you know um it, i thought that um it's it's a risk and a lot of people didn't think it was a lot of people were have like the you know found footage fatigue ah i found it okay found footage fatigue that's what i'm getting at and that was a lot of the reviews were saying that. And uh, there was one reviewer, I think it was Possessed by Horror, uh, where this one reviewer was saying not only was she found that to be an issue, but she found it that the the way that it was put together kind of uh, goes against a found footage principles of, of coincidence and of chance. So, like, that it was too tailored or too 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 edited to oh yeah yeah right like too cinematic to right exactly <laughs> right but that's the workaround that they came yes. up with was it being a, a, a documentary, documentary right and then also within a documentary you're going to have different perspectives like if you watch forensic files there's going to be a couple of reenactments there's going to be you know actual video camera footage there's going to be there's there's going to be a variety of quote-unquote fun footage you know yeah. stuff so mm-hmm. what did you think um, well, I'm in a different boat than you guys, because I definitely have a lot of issues with this movie. And I, I feel like part of it, like, I, I do agree that there was fatigue with found footage. Um, And honestly, I think the movie that was kind of like the final nail in the coffin or like the one that like really uh, soured me was As Above, So Below. Because I really, <laughs> I, I like the, the sort of premise, you know, with like the, the catacombs and it's a really unique mm-hmm. setting. But that movie just completely like fell off the wheels. Uh, but, you know, with this movie, I've I've always known about this movie since it came out. I didn't see it uh, until it did start streaming on Netflix. Uh, but like I always kind of saw like one of the later gifts of the movie. And you probably know which one I'm talking about. Because it is yeah. in the final act. So, like, that was my the first climax. look at it. And I didn't really know what movie it was from. But, you know, it kind of gave me, like, something to build off of. But, you know, this movie is set as a documentary, looking at Alzheimer's. And pretty early on, it deviates so far away from that to where it just made me feel like, what the hell are we actually watching? Because it leads you, like, down one path. Uh, and then you're in like completely different left field from where you had started, where it was just very confusing, whereas something like Relic, which also, you know, tackles this, I felt like that was a much better interpretation of not only the disease, but also just how prevalent it was for the actual source material. I think you're definitely right about how, um, I wouldn't really call it a bait and switch, not that you did, but... Uh, it it definitely you're right. It leads you down one path, and then it, it changes altogether. Although there are some very sort of minor, mm-hmm. you know, binding little details. Like for example, when they're um, when they're talking to the professor of, of lore for the particular movie, uh, he mentions like, oh well, spirits will inhabit a, a weakened mind, and so then you 
You, we know that uh, that uh, that Deborah ha has been diagnosed with Alzheimer's, and that's a, a prognosis that continues even after she's no longer possessed. Mm -hmm. And so you, we do know that that is a piece of the puzzle, but then of course it goes completely off the rails at one point, right? Where it goes completely into like just possession zone. But um, I still really enjoyed the movie and I really enjoyed the, the, the mystery in the middle of it where you don't know what, what parts of it are Alzheimer's and what parts of them are, are possession and what, and honestly at the end, it's like, does it even matter? Because um, the behavior she exhibits in, in multiple scenes, even before, even after you have the obvious possession scenes, is still like behavior that people would have to manage through if, if they were working through this disease, right? Mm -hmm. And it's still, it doesn't matter if, if she's possessed or if she has Alzheimer's, her daughter is still would have reacted in a similar way because this is her mother sort of losing her mother to, to something, right? Whether it's supernatural or not. And I remember, uh, I'll just throw in too that I was really excited to review this movie, and I was we were, I was talking it to some of our friends about it to some of our friends, and it it kind of smacked me across the face that uh, that I'm I'm excited to to talk about this movie about Alzheimer's when we all have parents that are kind of getting up there in years, and and that's the other like horror part of this movie is that that's something that uh, that I, honestly when I initially saw this movie not something that I considered would happen you know it's not something that I personalized mm -hmm. let's put it that way right when it first came out in, in, in 2014 or 2015. Uh, but now like talking about it and talking about it in, in the gleeful way that I was doing, kind of like, I felt really rude about it because I do have friends that are, that are uh, that whether they might not be dealing with it now, but that's something that's in, definitely on the horizon. And honestly, for myself, my parents are in their mid seventies, like something to think about too. So that level of horror kind of came in as well. Mm -hmm. And uh, And then I was thinking like, I'm wondering if, uh, director writer whose name I've forgotten already, but he well he also did Paranormal Activity, one of the Paranormal Activity. He wrote it and directed it, but one of the later ones, not one of the first ones, I think. And also, um, uh, this was I believe his directorial debut. I'm not sure about that, but it's it's impressive, but also um, it's a difficult topic to walk through, right? I mean, to 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 try to continue the Alzheimer's thread deeper into the story as, as, as Deborah is becoming more and more unhinged. That's a, that's really it. I feel like it, it needed to depart from that in order to not get just absolutely emotionally devastating. Mm -hmm. But like the movie, I mean, like the, the, the acting in it was so ridiculously good, both from uh, the character, Sarah, who was played by Anne Ramsey and also uh, Deborah, who was played by Jill, Shoot, I just had it. Um, Larson. Larson, thank you. Mm -hmm. Jill Larson. That they were incredible, both mm -hmm. of them. And I I was also really blown away that every little snippet of the found footage like had so much delivered so much information and delivered so much impact to to the story that I was also really impressed by that. The movie is surprisingly long considering um how you know when when you do when you're doing found footage like you you get fatigued with you get fatigued within the movie mm -hmm. and i thought they did a really good job to like just have a lot of momentum throughout the entire thing mm. i mean of course there were some slow parts but in general i was i was i was really impressed yeah yeah <laughs> but he like but not saying, it. he's, he's like, like no, no. <laughs> Well, I mean, I've I, I've also seen like this is these firsthand, both early stages and late stages too. Uh, so I also kind of like just have a different perspective with just how the way that it's handled within the movie. Where you know, in this one, it's just you you kind of just see the after effects primarily because a lot of like the behavioral stuff that they kind of go into was more from the possession perspective. Um, you know, outside of like leaving the the spade in the garden, so to speak. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, I, you know, have kind of dealt with uh, Alzheimer's, you know, had, knowing people who had it and stuff like that. And the funny thing is, I was thinking during this movie how, like, you could almost just make a documentary about Alzheimer's. Like, you know that movie? I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it's a documentary about... Um, about night terrors and sleep paralysis, but it's kind of done yeah. as a horror movie, but it's an actual documentary. Yeah, it was, um, yeah. The Nightmare, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. 
like you could almost do a movie like that about Alzheimer's. Just Duke stick, have it be a real documentary that just deals with the reality and have it be like that type of movie, mm-hmm. you know, and do that. And it would be, you know, super effective and be kind of like a real thing. And so I did kind of think like there was a small part of me. It's interesting that you guys kind of, or that you brought it up to and you kind of brought it up a little too. They're, like, I'm very like, you know, I, I'm not like a kind of person who, who's like, they shouldn't make horror movies about like this or that. Mm-hmm. But there was like a small part of me that sort of was like, this is too touchy. It's a weird, a bit of a off topic to make a horror movie about mm-hmm. in such a realistic kind of way because, it's you know, tough, like yeah. the, you know, it's sort of like, mixing sort of like demons and ghosts with like a real world yeah. thing, you know? But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's a good movie because it does what genre movies can do that regular movies can't, which is talk about things that like a regular, if, if they did just do a documentary about Alzheimer's, a lot of people would just be like, I'm not going to watch that. That's too dark and too heavy. I'm not watching that. But you could, but a lot of those people would watch this movie and learn about, you know, Alzheimer's and things and its effects and kind of be pulled in. You know, it's kind of yeah. that Star Trek thing where you mm-hmm. can talk about subjects that you normally couldn't really talk about in a Hollywood movie or in a, you know, a, a popular movie. Gotcha. Mm. Yeah, we also kind of have the uh, the cannibal holocaust documentary within a documentary in this movie as well. Right. As I learn in the backstory <laughs> of uh, of the spirit, which you know, like th- there were definitely uh, de- definitely like elements of that story that I'm like, where the hell is this going? But like the more that the more lore they kind of like put behind it, like I I at least appreciate the fact that as they were building up uh, Henry uh, Desjardins, uh, that we we got a pretty clear picture of you know Lord what his plan Lord. was, who he was, why he kind of like had like this urban legend following in this small town, and they even like brought out the fact like they were uh, Sarah was shocked at the fact like this film crew didn't really know about this because it, it did seem like a pretty small town too. Right, and I, I was actually <laughs> when I was watching the movie, all I could think about was lore galore because in the last couple of reviews that we've been doing john you've been going on about how like you you want you like your lore you want you want there to be answers you want there to be a story and and you want there to be something you want there to be a necronomicon as much as possible in the movies and i feel that this movie totally delivered and then in the uh i i was really pleased that in a lot of the um old news footage that they found or old like you know um you know, unsolved mysteries footage that they found. Everybody knew so much about the lore and all of the right words to, you know, the the way it was like the Monacan ritual and blah, 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 blah. And he needed a virgin because he needed the menstrual blood. And you're like, holy crap, everybody knows so much about this. (laughs) Which I thought was pretty hilarious. (laughs) Lork lore. Absolutely. So uh, talking about like the documentary side of the film uh, and just the way that it plays into the story. So basically, like right now, there's this film crew who's looking to document Deborah, uh, who is this elderly woman who is suffering from Alzheimer's disease. Uh, And, you know, she's very reluctant at first uh, to like film this, but agrees to continue this project after uh, her daughter, Sarah, reminds her like, hey, you know, like we're in financial troubles. We're about to lose a house. Uh, So... She ends up going on with the project, and, you know, during the filming of this documentary, uh, you know, we learn about, like, Deborah's like, occupation uh, in the past, where she worked as a uh, switchboard operator for her own answering company, uh, and, you know, she made a lot of connections that way, uh, both, like, and that plays into, like, the actual spirit, which was uh, a very nice touch as well. Uh, and, you know, we see, like, these increasingly uh, bizarre actions taking place at, at one point uh, where, like, even, like, your personal doctor is like, oh, yeah, you know, this is just a very uh, aggressive form of this disease. Uh, and, you know, you have the cameraman, uh, Luis, who just is not buying into uh, to any of this because, you know, one night on the hidden cameras, he records Deborah standing at the base of uh, the counter and then immediately, like, the next frame, she's teleporting to the top of it, standing up top. And there's, like, there's no gap 
or like delay in the in the stream. It was like completely live. Uh, so they didn't really know what to make of that, except it was just really bizarre. And it's just like, well, what the hell is going on? You know, another night we see Deborah enter in one of the rooms and like slamming the window shut with uh, her mind, basically. So like there's these weird like spiritual powers happening all around them on top of, uh, you know, just the regression of her body through the disease. Uh, but I really feel like the meat and the potatoes of this movie is the lore behind Henry. And we just got so much <laughs> that, you know, it's like I, I'm so thankful that we actually got this because we, we really got like a full backstory of who this guy was and what his goal was. Uh, and I, I really like the fact that, you know, when they do find Deborah working the switchboards and, you know, she's connected to this line uh, directly to Henry that, you know, they even have like that little bit where like, okay, well, like who she's, who she's trying to connect with. Like they have like the whole like etching scene, uh, Ooh. with the, with the stencil, which I thought was a really cool way to do it, uh, to like just spell it out. But, you know, you do have, you know, some pretty typical tropes when it comes to like demonic possession with like, uh, speaking a language that she doesn't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the literal exorcist. Uh, I mean, I'm sure it's, I think it's actually comes from real, real religious text, but it, they spell it out in the exorcist where, you know, the, the like two, the three or four tenets of exorcism where they speak, uh, they have to speak in a language they don't know. They have to like, I can't remember what they are, but there's like these, a certain set things they have to do before the church will become involved as an exorcism. And, it's the footage, uh, like you were mentioning, where she jumps, you know, from the floor to the top of right. the thing and stuff. It's funny that you mentioned it's the paranormal activity, someone who involved with them. I didn't realize who made this. Mm. But there, there were several scenes in this movie where I was like, this feels like paranormal activity. Where For it's a the, reason, yeah. The, um, you know, the, like the bedroom security footage shot that right. you get so much in paranormal activity and that shot, which also, uh, that's like one of my things, uh, the shot of her, you know, standing and then being on the counter and sure. then talking about that. That's always one of my little things with the paranormal that I wonder about, like when something gets moved by a ghost or whatever, I always wonder does the object actually move? Like, if you were there to see it, does it actually move through space? Or, or does it disappear, disappear and then appear. reappear in the new place? And so this movie sort of tackles that. Here's <laughs> <laughs> and reappears. It disappears and reappears. <laughs> well, this movie has movie. answered so many questions already. <laughs> totally. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, um... And uh, the the makeup too is really good. You know, the oh. uh, as she progresses mm -hmm. through the movie and she looks more normal at the beginning and then becomes more possessed looking is really good. That's pretty good. Uh, and uh, I thought the uh, the guy who took care of the special effects. I'm trying to remember what movie he worked on too. Shoot, he had some like pretty impressive chops too. That's what I was. Mm. That's where I'm going with that. I'll have to look it up, and or I don't know if you can look it up, T. And mm -hmm. the makeup was definitely very good, and also the little girl. You know, uh, she looked like a little miniature version of, of Deborah Logan. Of Deborah Logan. <laughs> That's good. That's good stuff. And then, of course, you were you were talking about the 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 ending where um, the possession has progressed to the point where she's more snake like because everything is revolving right, around snakes. Snake. And she's taken the child and um, is, is has unhinged her jaw. Mm -hmm. And that was, I mean, I really appreciated that. But prior to that, for the most part, they it was uh, a lot of um, uh, feasible feats right, throughout yes, the movie. Right, kind of debatable. Yeah. yeah, and then, of course, that's the very first, like, glimpse of, like, really monstrous mm -hmm. horror movie. And you only get it for a split second. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I thought it delivered really well. And, and then on top of that, I have to say, like, once things get really cooking and you've got, like, it, it has that sort of Scooby-Doo feel to it where you got the gang trying to figure out, like, what's going on and, and, you, and you've and you got, like, the POV because, uh, you know, the found footage 
kind of had this, like, at one point it became like POV trying to solve a mystery, right? So, uh, you know, you, we, you mentioned the etching with the, with the coal, with charcoal to try to get the, uh, the information about that 337 was a reference to uh, Henri uh, Desjardins. I forget how you pronounce his name. But, um, but then, uh, you know, them going into the, the attic once they find evidence that they think that's where the body's at and, and trying to figure out that, you know, they have to destroy the remains. Mm-hmm. And then um, when they're traveling to the, to the special cave, where Deborah Logan has, you know, uh, kidnapped a child and is held up with her there. And they go through what appears to be some sort of like factory and then into mm-hmm. a cave system. And, uh, and then they're, they're passing the camera back and forth and they're, and they're using it as light. So it's a nice little, like, uh, the, the sense of realism that they're not trying to record what's happening. It just happens that this is where the light is and the, and the camera, and the camera might as well be on because at least, you know, that there is some, there is some value in it being mm-hmm. on. I, don't know, I I thought that that I was I thought it was really exciting and I yeah. thought that it it really held my attention and um, and that's saying a lot these days. I liked yeah that last shot was great. I liked that last shot, the supernatural shot, mm-hmm. um, and it looked really familiar to me. And I thought I know this image. What was it? And it's a famous painting. I I did look for a moment, but it's <laughs> a famous painting by Goya. It's called Pluto Eats His... The Baby. Thing. Yeah, it's the famous painting of the god Pluto eating A baby. <laughs> and, okay, I gotta, uh, I gotta look this up as you're talking about it. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> an old man, but uh, Pluto's an old man, and his child is a baby that he's holding. He's literally taking a bite out of its chest. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's gruesome. Yeah. And it's it's... Based on that image, it's a really okay. great. <laughs> are you, are you I'm like, right? yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up. <laughs> it's creepy, right? Yeah, it's a disturbing. Yeah, image. that's and it's like that's that's pretty cool. Like that's a great uh, you, you know thing. And it, although it also at the same time kind of reminded me of the vampires from Blade Two, okay. where they could open up their lower jaws oh, yeah. and do that big mouth thing. Big mouth. Yeah, and I, I will say too, like with this movie in the third act, um, I I recently decided to uh, finally sit down to watch the last Paranormal Activity, the Amish one, the the next of kin, yeah. and there yeah. there are a lot of retreats to this movie in next of kin, which is the just the way that it's laid out in the third act, which I thought was pretty pretty interesting. <laughs> Similar, uh, it's shares. Filmmakers, right? Same people, mm-hmm. probably. Probably. Involved, I'm not sure if it's the same. I mean, well, I think his movie might have been earlier, the one that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it called again? Uh, the Amish one. That's a uh, next little kid. It was a. Uh, it was the one that premiered on uh, Paramount Plus. It was the the latest installment. Oh, I see. Okay. Another movie that this movie reminded me a lot of was uh, the Last Exorcism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That another found footage movie, which has a similar idea where it kind of deals with it starts out as a real world documentary about religion. And then, you know, and it's the is it a real exorcism or not? Probably not. And then it is, you know, that kind of same idea. But um, this movie, though, opts for the happy ending, which I I thought I was like cool with because I'm like, all right, I'm good with that. the- <laughs> really happy because they fly up the little girl well, yeah, possessed. True. <laughs> true, like that. And then I was like, uh, I kind of had a big old eye roll because I'm like, uh, this again. I know. But- I, yeah. See, th- that's a funny thing about this movie is that uh, on one hand, it's extremely like sort of um, like a, almost like a prestige movie, mm-hmm. like a sort of like this is like a you know heavy tackling of. Alzheimer's and heavy topics and mm-hmm. stuff. But then on the other hand, like with the amount of lore it has and the the depth that goes into the lore and the way things kind of play up in the end of the movie, it also feels like like almost like an insidious movie or like Incidentally, this director directed an insidious this, movie. Oh, <laughs> the third one. But it feels like a more like uh like a less grounded less realistic, more Hollywood type of mm-hmm. horror movie mashed up with a very grounded, realistic yes. horror movie, okay. you know? Yeah, I can I can get on board with that. Which is kind of interesting, and it's interesting and weird and cool, and, you know. But, uh, 
No, I definitely liked that. But uh, <laughs> feel free to jump in. You got it. On. <laughs> yeah, I will say too. Like, this is definitely one of those movies where. You know, we always kind of like have the discussion of like how much information do you really want? Because there definitely is a lot of mystery when there's a lot of unknown. But this movie definitely explains a lot more about Henry. Uh, so you get to know the boogeyman a lot more than what you would typically get in a movie. And, you know, in some cases, some people might uh, think that that takes more away from uh, just the suspense it does build. But I really love the lore within the movie. So let's talk about Henry real quick. Because there's a lot to unpack here. So you have Henry, who served as a pediatrician in Quebec. Uh, he was also a Boy Scouts uh, troop leader. And this was Gross. someone who was well-known, respected within his community, uh, often working like pro bono. And in the 1970s, Henry found out that he was dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. Okay, so we have another connection uh, on, on that front. Uh, and he became obsessed with trying to make himself immortal so henry turns to this monacan blood ritual which involves murdering young girls uh and he he kills four young girls and they were found with serpent carvings on their foreheads parts of their bodies had been cannibalized uh they had traces of snake venom uh found in their blood and they were all sacrificed at the Monacan Mines, which comes into play uh, towards the third act of this movie, uh, which was basically just sacred ground to the natives there. Uh, so, as Holly had mentioned earlier, all of these sacrifices were made during the times of their first periods, uh, when their blood would bleed flowers. Uh, so, a, a lot, a lot of stuff to unpack here, but uh, basically. You know, they would offer the period blood to the demon in exchange for immortality. And, uh, you know, after these murders happen, you know, Henry just disappears. You know, he's not a suspect in this case. He's gone missing. And it's about a month later when, and this is like all like built through the documentary within. Uh, and we learned like the authorities found this house. There was a putrid smell coming from it. And uh, they found a bunch of, like, snakes, totems, uh, and, you know, books on rituals. And then that was really, like, the, the dead giveaway. Like, hey, Henry is behind all of this. Uh, but what was weird, around the time of his disappearance, all of these murders just stopped happening, despite the fact that this ritual had not been completed. Uh, and, of course, we do have uh, something that unbeknownst uh, to us as viewers initially, uh, which is one of the reasons why Deborah keeps digging in the backyard looking for something. Uh, and, you know, I, I really like the way that that was structured uh, into the disease, but also, like, unraveling the mystery, because that was another big piece of the puzzle, because Sarah was supposed to be the fifth victim for, you know, this ritual. Mm-hmm. Right. I really, um, I really also like the, the idea that, you know, this whole month is supposed to be a fear of aging. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you have the characters of Deborah Logan and then her friend, um, Harris, who's her neighbor. And they were basically partners in crime in terms of taking down, uh, uh, Henri, uh, Desjardins. And, um, but they held on to the secret they're they've been holding on to the secret their whole lives without thinking about what it means to to really safeguard it right because in their head they're always going to be able to maintain you know uh order but you know as 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 you know as deborah is is going through uh, all these issues she's unable to to uh to like keep a lid on on this fucking can of worms, right? And what was really cool in the story, though, I really appreciated that the the when you first start seeing when you first are introduced to Deborah, and um, she's you know she seems very you know stereotypical you know uh, a lady, and uh, you know she's very prim and proper, and in her home, you know the the major rooms of the house are pristine, they're very well decorated, and 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 they're they they just look really great. But then of course, as you start growing further up the stairs. You start seeing uh, rooms that are 
less polished, less furnished, less taken care of, which might be like a little bit of like a whole, a little bit of like, you know, metaphor for her mind mm-hmm. or her life. And, uh, uh, and so you, you kind of get one certain idea about her, but then later on they reveal the, the rest of her life where she was, you know, uh, the, the, the center of the, of the town. She was really connected to absolutely everybody there. She, she knew everybody's business, but not in a busybody sort of way, but in a in a more respectable way, and then on top of that, took it upon herself to uh, sort of defeat this 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 monstrous dude, and um, and so you kind of see her as like a a, a, hero, a, big, a heroic figure, and I really I, I don't know I dug on that, and I'm not I forgot mm. what we were talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's why it's kind of a cool. There is kind of a happy ending where at least she gets unpossessed and is kind of mm-hmm. even though she still has dementia and everything she's at least not possessed anymore right um but and so she kind of her story arc at least is kind of a positive story arc she sort of like is able to continue on Mm -hmm. although she's gonna have these other problems and then not to like shift gears too much but uh, and then when the little girl of course becomes possessed uh they do that final shot where she looks pretty much exactly like the little girl from that meme with the burning house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, they really like kind of drove it. Home. With a little smile. Yeah. 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 That was a little bit kind of cheesy. It was. Like, I mean, I, yeah, it's like, Oh, thanks for the steak. Oh, you drowned it in ketchup. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they're like, well, we gotta have a sequel. Like, um, <laughs> and plus it kind of, and not to like nitpick too much, but it kind of goes against their own lore because he preys on Deborah because she's got dementia and she's right. weak minded. But the girl, it, you know, she recovered fully and she had like leukemia or something like right. that. So she wasn't really weak minded. She so. was though. I mean, like, I thought that was the. I mean, part of it that uh, because of all the all the ther- all the chemotherapy and something that she could be, well, yeah, you know, in a she, weakened state. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, true, true. Yeah. Oh. But still, but, and that I think goes to the kind of weird uh, uh, conflict of this, how this movie sort of put together. Where right. on one hand, it's extremely realistic and grounded. Mm-hmm. And on the other hand, it's like very fantasy and kind of, right. you know, lore based. Mm-hmm. But uh, and see, that's the funny thing is I... Like we were saying, I complain a lot that there's not enough lore. <laughs> not in this one, right? <laughs> in this one, it's true that, like, almost, like, you should, there should almost be less lore because... Oh! Okay. <laughs> <laughs> only, and I only say that because it being a found footage movie and these just being documentary, ah, people who are making an Alzheimer's documentary, it should be tougher for them to know Get and understand, lore. like, what's right. going on mm-hmm. with the possession. On the Lord galore. <laughs> but at the same time, I know it's like I can't really complain, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, because you know, with a found footage, it's like the characters only know what they right. you know you will you don't know this stuff really, like in real life. If you were going through that situation, the odds of finding somebody who's like, oh yes, like here like the town historian who can tell you everything that's going on. He's not on. even a town historian. He's like an, he's a Henri or Henry historian. That's like, like, this is all I study. Yeah. Is, <laughs> here's my binder on the subject. Yep. I only have one. Please don't take it out of this room. <laughs> And I, I'm sure he he also has like his own pop up shop where he's like selling all this Henry themed merchandise too. <laughs> I mean, like the symbolism really you know opens itself up for for merchandising. <laughs> Lots of snakes. Yep. Did they? Sh- they didn't really show him, did they? They showed a picture of him from like a news clipping or something like that, or they, n- nothing in him of him in action, just his face. Right, right. But not like it. We never saw like. I guess the the closest we saw was when she was kind of trying to swallow the kid's head, where she was kind of the, in the most demonic form at that. Right. Point. There was a, a quick little, um, you know, second half second of of a demon face looking thing when uh, when she's naked at the switchboard, oh, which yeah, was a pretty yeah. scary part. Mm-hmm. And um, and and yeah, and then like when the when the thing blows up, you, mm-hmm. you get to see a, a scary face for a split mm-hmm. second. If you go back and you freeze it. Right, frame right. after frame, you'll catch it. Mm-hmm. 
Pretty good. All right, but let's hear some criticism because I know T, you must have some other ones. Well, I mean, a, a lot of it just boils down to just the path that they took. Because once once we get into, like, the caves, you're just like, okay, what's going to happen? But, you know, go, go until the ending of this movie. Um, one one of the common complaints I've seen online was, you know, with, with the little girl getting possessed at the end. A lot of people are like, well, there wasn't a fifth victim in this case. So... Henry wouldn't be able to, uh, you know, like, go inside that body. But we do see that the little girl has a headshot wound when she's being taken out of the cave. So I'm assuming, I'm assuming that shot was actually fatal. And then once Henry took over possession of the body, that's when her le uh, leukemia went into remission. Right. And, you know, we, we saw how that played out. But I, I really dislike the whole uh, very kiddish approach of, oh, what, what do you want to do now? And be like, I'm not going to tell you. It's a secret. <laughs> yeah, I really I feel like if it would have ended with, um, you know, they had the, the shot of, like, oh, Deborah Logan has been deemed not mentally fit mm -hmm. to stand trial. And there was a scene of her in a wheelchair and she's being covered up and. And again, that actress, Jill Larson, she did such an amazing job. I mean, she was really fucking incredible. And not to mention, like, I, I want to praise those two ladies, her and Anne Ramsey, a little bit more. But I'll just finish this part by saying that if they would have ended with her and then maybe like a quick little spot, like, oh, and this little girl's having a birthday party. She's doing great. That would have been enough. Yeah. You know, like, I think that that would have been a, a better ending yeah. than, than like the that little last bit of like, here's another thing. That's like the less is more, buddy. That's like mm -hmm. the kind of thing that you feel like it, it's in there because an executive uh, had to put it there because yeah. they were like, yeah. that little girl's like somebody's daughter, like some rich person's daughter. Like, <laughs> you said she'd have more lines. Well, no, but like <laughs> when they're making movies, like generally they have a sense, like they're smart enough to know the people who make movies. Like this is probably going to be a good movie, True. and this is going to probably suck, and. I, they probably knew, like, this is good. Like, we got a good movie here, so let's... Somewhere. You got to set up a sequel for it, because, it's... you know, it's probably going to do well and make money, and of course, yeah. being Hollywood, we have to make sequels to movies. Right, but I mean, like, the I just thought the movie was so smart, and then, like, the ending was a little sloppy, so I, I'm willing to bet that, yeah, it was, like, just interference mm -hmm. from, from uh, executives, because... I don't know, like, I was, uh, and I wanted to, I, I, I was saying that I wanted to praise the, the ladies a little bit more, but that introduction scene to Sarah, or, uh, you know, played by Anne Ramsey, like, from the get-go, she did such a good job. Her mannerisms, the way that she was moving, the way, the acting was so flawless on her part as well, like, you're just sucked right in, and, like, the, the scenes between her and her mom, like, I, I don't know, like, the, they... They spent their money really well in this casting, I thought, at least for them to. <laughs> it's interesting because they ca they cast the two most important roles with really? the best actors. Absolutely. And they all the like movie crew people with like the people you would kind of expect for like a found footage type <laughs> color movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a low budget movie. True. Uh, but like I looked at, cause I knew she looked super familiar. The actress who played yeah. Deborah Logan. Oh, Deborah Logan. Okay. And uh, she's had a super long career. Yeah. Like she's been acting since like the late eighties or early nineties. Been on like a bunch of soap operas and things like that. But mostly what I, I realized I recognized her from was she's in she is in Shutter Island. And she plays one of the main she's one of those main patients that you see in, in that movie. It's like, okay, that's where I recognize actually she sort of plays a similar type of character in mm -hmm. that story. Might have been how she got this oh, role. That's in, true. In some ways, and I mean, there, there was another reviewer who, who pointed out, like, for somebody, like, she did such an amazing job because for somebody who looks like they weigh about eighty pounds, mm -hmm. like she is terrifying, mm -hmm. and she is fucking terrifying. And it's it's um it, it's it's it, it, I don't know. I, I really enjoyed it, and I I would tell people like if it's your first time watching it, you know, just uh, create an ambiance for it. You know, like mm -hmm. turn off the lights. You know, make sure it's dead quiet in your house. And, and I, I thought it really, you know, it pulled me in and it really helped me. But, um, but you know, like, of course, it's not a perfect movie. Yeah. I would just say, like, my it, similar also just to complain, uh, 
is the third act mm-hmm. where it very much turns into a traditional kind of basic horror right. movie where it's just people creeping through tunnels waiting for things to pop out, you know, <laughs> and go boo. Uh, but the pay, I gotta say, and it also, the end also feels a lot like Blair Witch to bring it up. Right. Again, where when they finally reach the farmhouse. Right in the 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 so you see the guy like standing in the corner. Yeah. Like, little handprints in the bottom. I was like, this is a little close to... You're watching. Yeah. But, it, I, but I really like that payoff scene of when you do see her trying to swallow the little kid's head. It, that's a great shot and a great image. Uh, and I... Um, all right. So I don't want this to come out as cheesy as I think it's going to come out. But <laughs> I, I thought it was uh, also really subtle and uh, amazing how, like, the... As you're approaching the end of the movie, you're left with like all these, all really strong, really, um, uh, uh, well, actually, yeah, like both strong in the scary, you know, part with you know Deborah Logan now being possessed and eating children, and then strong on the Sarah side, who's just like barreling through these really fucking crazy scenarios to go save her mom, and then uh, you got Mia, who's like still holding onto the camera, still hanging out. And then you got Tweety, who uh, introduced late in the in the movie. She's the the uh, the deputy or cop. That's sort of that that mm-hmm. the, just the fact that she calls her like they have a couple of quick little scenes where they're talking kind of way too familiar, not way too familiar, yeah. but like they're friends. Implied relationship, uh, implied right? relationship, or at least friendship, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so friendship, and then she calls her or Sarah calls her Tweety at one point because her last name is Tweed. And so clearly, like, high school friends mm-hmm. or even sweethearts. But it's I love that they left it vague. But then, so you, like, all of a sudden, I, I was sitting there being really entertained, and then it just hit me like, oh, shit, it's like, it's all ladies in the fucking cave. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, it was subtle. So that was nice. And, uh, but it was, a, it, 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 there was just a, a lot of, like, women in, in, in this movie that I didn't even, um, I didn't even think about it. Until much later, because I was, you know, looking with a critical eye, but I thought, like, hey, man, that's fucking neat. Yeah, no, it definitely was a female-led movie, for sure. I mean, you know, the two main characters. And the documentary woman was, she was just kind of blah. Really, it's the Mm -hmm. two main women were the main characters. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely around the blah part, because all of their, um, all of the characters of the film crew... They kind of had very stereotypical lines, <laughs> like you know, even from the get go with Mia, where she was like, "Oh, uh, you know, my grandfather had Alzheimer's," and then later on, she's like, "It was a lie, just to push her along." It was very much so meant to paint her as a slight, a little bit of a villain, <laughs> and just for you to be like, mm, "We hate Mia." Yeah. And then <laughs> with uh, Gavin, um, you know, going into like a superstitious kind of route, <laughs> that was a little like stereotypical. And then uh, you see the. Uh... He the, was the, the, not the camera yeah. guy. The oh, other okay. dude, yeah. yeah. The, I guess he was the editor, right? Because she was like, why aren't you editing? Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, he must be the editor. And then you got Luis, who's the camera guy. Mm-hmm. And then he um, he was pretty... Uh, like, he didn't have a lot of lines. So you kind of forget that he's there, even yeah. though he's your eyes. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, he's got one little corny line at one point in the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, something about, like, little white people in their attics. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> there's some humor for you so like the whole crew was a little on the stereotypical side but then again it's like I don't know like I don't know if you I, I guess I was plenty happy with just Deborah and Sarah mm-hmm. being who they were and the and the char- and their characters were so well like uh, fleshed out that uh, I was that that's actually what got that you might be right that like I'm forgiving a bunch of bad things that happened in this movie just because those two characters and those two actresses were so good at it. Well, yeah, it kind of just yeah. drowns out every everyone else because That's they true. did have such strong performances. Mm. Um, but you know, th- this movie is fairly trope heavy, and the the other one that is just so overdone, uh, and you know, this isn't necessarily like a found footage theme, but just in cinema is the whole I have something to tell you. Uh, situation when Harris is in the hospital uh, after uh, having a having a TV flung at him through the spirit uh, in the uh, in the hospital room, where you know Sarah's in there when she's not supposed to be because he's getting prepped for surgery, and then he's just trying to speak, you know, and give right. us so much information in as little time as possible. 
about like yeah, where right. the body is, you know. <laughs> and I'm just he's like, oh man. Yeah, and he's like, oh, like he trails off as mm-hmm. he's like trying to tell. It's like that, uh, like that scene in Monty Python, uh, oh. the quest for the Holy Grail, the castle R, where castle R. <laughs> like where it just trails off. Yeah, no, that part was like, yeah. yeah, I have to tell you. Yes, it's like just, just spin it out already. Where is it? And he doesn't. They, they don't know where to dig. And then all of a sudden, there's like 18 holes in the backyard. Get <laughs> air. True, true, true. A little bit of the ring too, with kind oh, yeah. of like that aspect of like Samara in the mm-hmm. well, and we have to like solve the mystery. And yeah, we have to get you know do something with the remains. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little bit, yeah. But it's a good movie. It's it's like the thing is, it's it, it's a movie that could have just been like Shit. one of the g- generic, yeah, just mm-hmm. one of a million types of this type of movie. And it was saved by the casting. It totally elevates. Yeah. Like the casting was super smart. The, the filmmaking is well. Yeah. Done. Although the I got to say it was pretty good too. I mean, like, you know, you, yeah, the casting was good, but I thought like the backstory of the character, well, mm-hmm. uh, Sarah, Deborah, and then the lore mm-hmm. and then Henry. Well, I thought the, those backstories were really strong. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but you, I'm sorry, I cut you off. I was going to say like, even though I'm a big proponent of found footage horror movies, this movie does something that, like, I don't like about horror found footage horror movies, which is using the found footage genre as a crutch to get away with bad storytelling, mm. which is to say, like, we it's like, oh, we can't really figure out, like, a scene to, like, have characters act and interact and tell the story. So we're just going to, like, show security footage of something. Oh. Or we're just going to, like, have, we're going to, like, ha- visit the lore guy who is going to literally tell us, like, on a Zoom call or whatever, <laughs> uh, exactly what's going on. Like, that's a crutch that found footage uses where it's like, oh, we're not really sure how to handle this. So we'll just like, since it's found footage, we can basically cheat and just sort of do this other thing. You know what I mean? Which they kind of do a couple of times with the with the security stuff where it's, I don't know. They had the whole, um, they had the whole uh, just justification or the, the whole, uh, what am I trying to say? The vehicle. By saying like this is a documentary, so this is how we're going to insert some some scientific background about Alzheimer's and some this and this and that. So and, thank you. <laughs> and so they had that vehicle for that expo- exposition, and and it worked, I thought. But then to your point, in some places, I guess they couldn't overuse it, and so they had to it, revert to some lazy filmmaking. Yeah, it becomes a little bit of a crutch. It's kind of like. Oh, well, since it's a documentary, we can just, like, we don't have to come up with a creative way to do it. We can just literally, like, tell you. I feel like if I ever made a horror movie, it'd be, like, the worst horror movie ever made. (laughs) That's all I would know would be cliches, because that's all I remember. (laughs) I know, that's the thing. It's like, but we also, that's the weird thing about tropes, though, is that on one hand, you, if they're not, if... Certain tropes aren't there. It feels wrong. Mm-hmm. Right. But then if you use them the wrong way, they're bad. Right. It's a tricky thing. It's a tricky, you know? tricky thing. Yeah, so here, here's, here's a minor gripe I had with the third act, which is not related to, like, the possession aspect. When Sarah pulls out the gun, right, my only thought is, you were not shooting that thing in here. This whole place is going to be cr- come crumbling down. <laughs> like, you're shooting it inside of the cave. What are you doing? Like your mom or the little girl. Jesus, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, what would have happened if that bullet just went straight through the girl and into the mom? Like, exactly. You know, it's, but, but it was more so just the thought of, like, I know what happens when you fire a gun in a mine. The whole bitch is going to come crumbling. Oh, really? But, I, but it was kind of hilarious. Just, like, out of nowhere, like, bam. You're like, where did you get that, Sarah? Fuck. <laughs> yeah. You can't pack it. But it is interesting, uh, as you mentioned earlier in the in the recording, uh, that this movie has 
sort of stood the test of time, which is really interesting. Like it still yeah. like gets mm-hmm. talked about and reviewed and written about and things like that. You see it kind of pop up on different podcasts and things. Yeah. It's it's interesting because it really does. And I think in the genre of found footage, it's up there in terms of quality, you know. Mm-hmm. I would say so, yeah. Being like a real movie, quote, you know, quote, unquote. But you're right. I mean, like this movie was made in 2014, 20, 2013, yeah, 2014. And I thought that it still delivered. And um, I mean, so 2015, I'm trying to like uh, situate myself in terms of like, like what was going, like how how much of a phone I had in 2015, in 2014, I'm like how good was my phone? I was pretty good actually. So <laughs> I don't like if you say 2005, I'm like oh I had a shit phone. Okay, but I guess what I'm getting at is like oh the there wasn't like a lot of inclusion of like smartphones, but uh, it, there didn't need to be. The phones were there, uh, you know the phone the phones that were there were were sufficient. So this I mean we could watch this movie in another 10 years and it would still have the same impact I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, the funny thing about like the cell phone, you bring up the cell phone argument, like how a lot of people are like, oh, what, like cell phones create like a big problem for horror movies. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, like the more, like as we go on, I feel like they don't because, like, as we know, like if you were like in that situation, a lot of the situations that were happening in that movie. You you can't really like call the police and have them come out and deal with the situation. Like yeah. they're not really gonna do that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like if you call them up and say, "Hey, like my grandma is kind of freaking out," they're gonna be like, "Well, does she is she attacking people? Does she call nine one one? Yeah, right. Call or call an ambulance. Yeah, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like, <clears throat> and even if they did come out, there's a a span of time between you when you call them and when. You, you the, they're going to show up. So I feel like it, people sort of treat cell phones and horror movies as though, like, well, they're going to fix just everything. Instantly yeah. fix the situation by using your phone, but in reality, yeah, really like yeah. the only thing you can much. fix a situation is just map information and calling people. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's like if you know, and then again in the cave, you wouldn't have gotten a good signal anyway. Yeah, and plus people are running around so much in horror movies that if you call someone during it, you're going to be off somewhere else being chased yeah. by the killer by the time the police show up anyway. And I have to say that one of my, I hate it. I hate it. Hate it. Hate it when in horror movies like uh, smartphones are haunted. Like it's one of my biggest <laughs> where like ghosts or demons can like somehow like annoy you or frustrate you through your phone. I'm like fuck you. You don't know what this is. I don't know what this is or how this works. I don't even know how this works. Or haunted websites. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> I I still think like my favorite use of a cell phone in any movie is with the Sadako versus Kayako, which was you know the rain versus oh. the grudge, <laughs> where uh, you know two girls are sitting down and they have the curse tape, and uh, one one of the girls is watching the video and the other is too busy texting someone or just being on her phone. Oh. So, uh, the one who's on her phone doesn't get cursed because she's so vain. Uh, but the other one does. (laughs) And I was like, yes, thank you. That is a perfect way to use a cell phone in this specific situation. And... It was just so grounded with what would actually happen in real life. Where you're like, oh yeah, yeah, okay, yes, yeah, okay. So- sounds good, man. Yeah, just not paying attention to whatever this cursed tape is. Like, that's not going to hold my interest. And plus, I hear people are going to die when they watch it. So, you know, I'll listen to yeah. it, but I'm not going to get cursed. And I, there was another movie I saw recently that dealt with cell phones really well in a scene. I can't remember what movie it was, but it was something I watched recently. But somebody was trying to use a cell phone in a horror movie and they were all covered with blood and they couldn't <gasps> unlock their phone because the blood on their hands was like smeared all over the screen. That's amazing. And so they couldn't unlock the phone. I was like, that's so genius. That's, that's like really the perfect. Funny for not being able to use a phone mm-hmm. or have not having it. But also, like, I've been in that situation where you're kind of like, like your maybe finger has some sweat on it or something. Oh, right. like, I can't unlock this thing. Like, or like those maps on? that require two fingers to move and you're just trying yep. to use one. Sorry, that happened to me today. The <laughs> <laughs> trauma's a little fresh. But no, it, uh, yeah, okay. But I mean, like, still, uh, yeah, ghosts that haunt 
or yeah, even yes. phones. Very annoying. Like old ass TV. Okay, maybe. Mm-hmm. No go should be able to hunt a digital device. I think is maybe like if you can create static. Okay. Yeah, like All create right. interference. Interference. Mm-hmm. Okay, just a little bit, but not like you know. But I think on it, devices are okay. Yeah, for sure. VCRs, fair game. VCRs, <laughs> film camera. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, rotary phones. Yeah. Rotary. <laughs> <laughs> I like how the, I, I appreciate the fact that you try to act that out. <laughs> <laughs> for the for the people who have never seen a rotary yeah. phone, this is how you use it. Uh, also, uh, TVs that are left to two, static, two TVs like poltergeist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I can understand the technology, then neither can ghosts. How about that? Let's leave it at that. Not that I can understand old TVs either, but mm-hmm. I guess I got a shot, right? Well, yeah. I mean, the spirit would uh, be older than you, so how, how would it know, you know? I know. That's true, yeah. If it was true. old, wouldn't know how to use a phone or a computer. <laughs> Butter trigger. That's it. Amish <laughs> um, ghosts. Now those guys rest pretty easy, I think. They don't come back. Yeah. Yeah. Amish um, 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 ghost story. Well, probably that. Actually, I think around the campfire, right? Actually, I don't think it's Amish, but goat. Uh, the Last Exorcist, which I was just mentioning, I think takes place in Amish country or around that kind of area. But yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I don't know. Do we have much more to talk about the taking of Deborah Logan? I know that you, you, you're still not convinced. He, I'm still a big fan. Although the more we talked about it, the more holes I realized are all over it. But, <laughs> but I still no, really it's not. It. It's not that I don't like the movie. Like I still think it is one of the better found footage movies. It. Oh. I, I just think that like seeing a part of the third act before I actually saw the movie definitely <sighs> did. Uh, yeah, made my appreciation for it like deteriorate because I'd already seen like the the big wow factor, so to speak, towards like the end of yeah. the movie. Uh, but but all in all, like I did enjoy it. It is really trope heavy though. But I, I really do appreciate the amount of lore that we got, which was great to see. And I don't think we're gonna get as much lore in the movie than we did with this one. Say the words, John. What more lore? No. What? Lord the Lord. Oh, Lord, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh, incidentally, can we show can we show everybody your t-shirt? Because it's really cool. John went to a really good show over the weekend. You're gonna okay. have to stand up a little bit. <laughs> so this is the Amy uh, Amy and the Snippers shirt. They're a fantastic punk nice. band from Australia. They kill it. Yeah, just saw them. I was out of town, so I couldn't see them, but John went to the show. Oh yeah. Pretty good. They're good. Yeah. Have you heard of those guys? I I have not. Check them out, Tita. I think you would love it. Yeah. Kind of like sort of punk rock, but also kind of like 80s metal okay. a bit too. Like kind of ACDC almost kind of. Yeah. And the lead singer, she's, I don't know where she gets that energy from. I mean, like, it's amazing. Yeah. She's jumping all over the place, screaming her lungs out. She climbed up the, at the venue. They It's you know a big concert hall and then it has balconies. Mm-hmm. And she climbed up. The uh, speaker stack on the side of the stage oh, and then into the up the second floor balcony. What? And she's like five two. Yeah, she's like this She's tiny. Yeah. yeah, that's amazing. All right, it was cool. I'm sorry, awesome. I missed that. Yeah, so she's a spider monkey in this case. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right, so looking ahead at next week, John, we have your pick, uh, which is The Man Who Could Cheat Death, which was released in 1959, uh, directed by Terrence Fisher. Uh, and, you know, I, I don't know a whole lot about this one. I did recognize the poster. Uh, so why don't you just give us a general idea of, like, what this one is all about? So... This is a Hammer horror, which I'm a huge fan of the Hammer horror genre, and I've, I think, watched all of them. I'm not sure if I've missed any of them, but this is the classic kind of Hammer takes place during the sort of 1700s, 1800s, classic gothic horror, manor house, castle kind of thing, and you know, but there's 
like dance balls and kind of like the whole deal. Like you'll you'll like it because I know you like the period cinemas <laughs> and uh, that whole thing. Cool and, agency. And, it, and it's a guy who's you know looking to extend life and stay young, okay. and he's trying to figure out how to do it through science. He's a mad scientist, which a, a fa- I'm a fan of mad scientists. What am I? Things I like in horror. Is there still a chance for us to become mad scientists? Probably, sure. right? All yeah. we have to do is buy the chemicals in the in the test tubes and shit, right? Mm. Yep. And the and the cloaks. Definitely got to have the lab and coat. The Google goggles. And the goggles. Yeah. yeah. And latex gloves. Or the rubber gloves. That are way yeah. too oversized. Uh, but yeah, I'm looking forward to that one. So I, I know, yeah. <laughs> I know I haven't seen that one all the way through. Okay. So, uh. Should should be an entertaining to watch. That will be coming up next Wednesday on uh, the podcast. But for now, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight for another live episode of Handle with Scare. And this has been episode number 59, talking the taking of Deborah Logan and how not to use a cell phone in horror movies. <laughs> uh, but, you know, until next week, you guys enjoy your weeks and we'll see you next Wednesday. Have a good night.